Hey guys, it's your buddy Max again. And I've been diving deep into folk horror a lot lately. And I do own the Wicker Man and all the Haunts Be Hours box set. So if you have any suggestions for other little gems, I'd be much appreciated for it. And in regards to an It prequel, does anybody else feel that it's a sort of a missed opportunity to not call it It Begins? Thanks. Thanks, Max. Quickly turning into uh, another super fan of the show. Yay! <laughs> Yay! And I'm going to immediately hand this off because I don't even have an answer for you. I am not the folklore guy on this show, but I will hand it off to Megan to launch into a whole list of options. I do. Well, I, I kind of kept it small because I think that the all the Haunts BR's folk horror box set is so comprehensive and full of, hmm. like, pretty much all deep cuts that he's you know anybody with that is well set and i think you can find a lot of that stuff on uh i want to say it's midnight pulp has a pretty hefty uh folk horror section and so does shutter um so i know there's one specifically that i'm like it's a zeta fave so i'm not going to mention that one um november I think it doesn't really get any attention um, because it is almost fairy tale esque. It's um, what is it? Where is it from? It, it's from I think Isatonia, um, but it's like from 2017. Last I checked, it was on Canopy. If you have a library that does Canopy um, streaming subscriptions for free, um, but that one is black and white and it has all sorts of interesting uh folkloric creatures in it it's almost kind of uh weirdly anthology like um in the way that it kind of goes through the town and there's different components of different folk horror elements um but it's kind of tied to a girl who really likes this boy who's in love with the you know aristocrat's daughter but there's all sorts of creatures, some Faustian bargains, um, wolves, all sorts of cool stuff. I really like that one. Uh, Blood on Satan's Claw, if you want like a foundational classic. The Shrine, if you want something that's not quite slow burn, you want something more spooky. Uh, Apostle is a, a favorite one of the shows. Celia, an Australian one that's kind of magical realism that's pretty good. Uh, if you want Current that's brand new in theaters and slash VOD, then you won't be alone with Numi Rapaz or You Are Not My Mother, which is Irish changeling-ish. So I think that I think that's good, right? That is. Wow. <laughs> wow. Zeta. Okay, well, I didn't have a... Yeah, I didn't have a lot at all, but I always have to mention the Australian movie Allison's Birthday that's because the I'm one. obsessed with it. You yep, can't that's... see, but it says as Zena's favorite. It's just wonderful. It's just it's just a great movie, and I felt like it was giving something new, but it's still kind of it still felt like an '80s movie, but it was still to me felt a little bit more modern. Um, so I always try to recommend that for people to check out. Of course, I'm going to say Children of the Corn, which I don't know. We may be talking about it soon. We, we may. may not. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and then a last one that I'm going to give, and this one kind of grew on me, and that is the movie Bye. So I recently checked that one out. It's from 1967. Uh, I believe that it's oh, a Russian. the Russian, like, V-I-Y. Yeah. yeah, that one's really good. Yeah, that one's really good, unexpected for me. Uh, it was just kind of like a blind buy, so... I mean, I have nothing to add to any of that. So those are just all great suggestions for me. Yay. Yay. You've seen Apostle. I should have left that one to you. Nudge. That's John's pick. See, 
<laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. See, I think I think folklore stuff doesn't necessarily folk resonate. Folk horror mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily. Okay, would the ritual be folk horror? Uh, it could I be. Would yeah. Say it, so yeah. If you yeah. get a chance, it's, you probably will have a little bit more free time. But like, <laughs> if you watch all the haunts BRs, there's a folk horror documentary that's literally like four mm. hours long, full of deep cuts. But it kind of talks about the definition of folk horror. And how oh. it's kind of broad because it's, you know, new versus old, kind of nature, old tradition versus new. Which is why, I mean, folklore. It, yeah, they're like, different. It, it, it's a little bit different, but it does overlap. And it's such a vague, kind of nebulously defined subgenre that it's a little tricky. But it, it, it definitely would apply, I would say. Well, yeah, there was my, there was my contribution. There you Ritual. go. <laughs> I did it. You did yeah. it. I'm proud of you. All right, second question comes by email from Lalo in Mexico. Hello, my dearest dark trio. We don't, people don't call us dearest enough. I appreciate they don't. That. Yeah. As you know, the Academy Awards were held two weeks ago. I hadn't heard anything in the news about that. Not at all. Uh, yeah. And it's very well known for ignoring and recognizing genre films, although there have been some exceptions. Uh, the Exorcist, Silence of the Lambs, Six Sense, name a few. So my question would be, which horror movies do you think deserve the kind of recognition given by the Academy in any category? Best picture, director, actor, actress, soundtrack, etc. So for this, are we going to say movies that were never nominated or maybe nominated and didn't win? I went with not nominated at all. Like okay. they didn't get any kind of recognition. Because I was going to say, like, Jaws for all the categories. Otherwise. That, that could still apply. I yeah. mean, it's it's your answer. Yeah. I, I would say probably off the top, I, I think maybe the go-to is something like Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Tony probably for a combination of both the uh, um, uh, screenplay, like, original screenplay and lead actress. Uh, was Psycho nominated? I don't. Well, I think so. It. I. I have to look. I don't. Maybe. I'm not sure if it was. And then I would probably say something like Psycho, just a classic yeah. that really kind of redefined cinema altogether. Um, I don't know. Like I, I get torn because then I think I make up categories like best on screen couple, <laughs> and that would be and that would be the couple from uh, Anything for Jackson, which yeah. I adore. Um. I mean, I might even say like best director for The Vigil, which I understand is probably a stretch for a lot of people. I just really love The Vigil. That's fine. Um, I think X, frankly, as we did our deep dive on Patreon, X, I think should be nominated for lots of stuff. Agreed. Um, well, how about you, Zena? What do you think? So I'm going to go with for best actress, Starry Eyes, um, Alex Essa. Uh. That movie's perfection to me. And she just rocked <laughs> that role so hard. I'm just so in love with her. I want to hang out with her. You guys think that? <laughs> okay. Then <laughs> then for um, best picture, I'm going to go with Pie Wackett from 2017 because that one was original. It was creepy. It gave me all the, all the feels. And Adam McDonald, he can do no wrong at all, especially. And then also I have to say Slasher because he's involved with he just does it all there you so, go yeah that's all <laughs> that's all uh i kept it small too and i tried to go a little bit differentiate like it's not all acting or whatever so for example johan johansson's score for mandy 
I feel like is just as good. I was think I was wondering if you were gonna go Mandy or something like John Carpenter as far as like soundtrack. Yeah, I I just feel like for sure Mandy because it's such an important part of the sensory experience, and he died too months after mm. turning in the final draft Aww. of the score so posthumously give it to him um uh, and then natalie natalie erica james uh for best director for relic i adored that movie mm. for lots of reasons and just i feel like that would be worth uh that would be a total oscar movie if they weren't jerks about horror <laughs> uh and then i went a little bit further back because you know like lalo pointed out they've been ignoring horror for decades but uh 1996's Scream for best screenplay. Oh, sure. Um, and then, you know, Christian Bale for American Psycho. Mm. I feel like he's... That's a good one. Yeah, it's it's an iconic performance that, you know, is still being emulated today. Hello, fresh uh, Sebastian yeah. Stan. Um, so, you know, I think that that would have been an award-worthy performance. So, yeah. It's still one of my favorite little tidbits of trivia of what Christian, who Christian Bale modeled his performance after in Psycho was a Tom Cruise interview on, on David Letterman because he said he was so like unnaturally excited about every answer and everything. But he said like his eyes were just vacant. Like he was laughing and excited, but his eyes were just like that. And Christian Bale's like, that's what I modeled it after. <laughs> wow. This man has got nothing inside, but oh. he's pretending to be really excited. Oh, wow. It's like, oh, that's brutal and amazing. <laughs> Speaking of brutal and amazing, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast. Everyone, the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from a YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hi. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So, Zena, what's been filling your heart this week? Uh, so, the first thing, uh, the German-Danish series, uh, The Island, a.k.a. Slow Burn. It's either from 2019 or 2020, but I checked it out on Screenbox. A deadly virus infects a small community, 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 community. Living, on the, <laughs> living on the island of Slowburn uh, between Denmark and Germany and the North Sea. So, yeah, this series hit very close to home. There are very much familiar circumstances. And what's crazy is I would always hear about this one. Um, and then I was just living my best life on Slack. And I checked the, the Blood Disgusting Slack. And I saw that everyone, you know, there were some people who were talking about this series. So I decided to check it out. You know, I had it on in the background and I found myself hooked. I recommend if you are going to check this one out, um, do not read any reviews because there are like a lot of sadly negative reviews, um, which I, I, I didn't have that problem like with it. I thought that it was like well done, but I think it's because it is very much a slow like burn type of series, you know. Um, and there's only eight episodes and they're about 45 minutes to 50 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, if you really do enjoy, uh, straight to the point series, uh, that, that has like a slow burn, I think you may enjoy this again. I really enjoyed the acting. Uh, the acting is phenomenal. I love the storyline. I love how with each episode, it kind of still feels, it feels kind of new. So they kind of like really take you on a journey with that one. And yeah, I'm being vague for a reason. Hopefully you check it out. So I'll leave it at that. 
Um, then the next thing I checked out, this was kind of a rewatch, but I forgot that I checked this one out. And that is Our House from 2018 on Amazon. A young genius accidentally invents a device that amplifies the paranormal activity within his family's house, possibly bringing back the spirits of loved ones and unleashing things far worse. So I guess when I watched this movie, I really didn't connect with it. Mm -hmm. Um, not too sure why, you know, just <laughs> I just did it. Yeah. Yeah. Just just the mood. I didn't really connect with it. So obviously it's been four years and I decided to rewatch it because I kind of forgot that I checked it out and I really enjoyed it. It creeped me out. There's a lot of sinister things that's going on. And then I guess, you know, life happens. You know, a lot has happened in four years. So it just makes you see things completely different. Um, but it pretty much just paints the picture perfectly of a broken family that's struck through um, struck by tragedy. Uh, with psychological and supernatural like beings and tones throughout the whole film, film. And if you ultimately just like ghost tales, um, mm -hmm. I think you might enjoy this one. And even though it is very modern, it has like an '80s feel to it. Um, you care for the characters, uh, you feel their emotions, and when it comes to the scares, it feels real because obviously there's that real life of losing like a you know a loved one, but then also like the real life scares in that. But then there's also just that supernatural, supernatural type of scares, you know. So, yeah, um, if you like Paranormal Terror, again, this this may be for you. And cool thing, this is directed by Anthony Scott Burns. Um, he's the same ah. one. Come True, you know, which we all dark trio approved, you know, yeah. so that one. And uh, I recently found this one out as well, which I checked this one out. This is based on Matt Osterman's 2010's um, Ghost from the Machine very cool movie same type of storyline just kind of like revamped so that's what i checked out do you hate like that that happens because i feel like that happens a lot to me recently where i start watching mm -hmm. something and then maybe 15 minutes in i'm like why does this seem so familiar to yeah. me yeah what does that mean and, am i old right it's <laughs> that's that's how i was feeling but then it's also kind of like again i guess because not trying to sound dramatic but clearly you know, different things happen throughout the throughout the years, you know, and I remember when this movie thinking back on it, I remember when it came out, I remember the trailer. But what clicked with me, there's a scene where this little girl's in the bathtub, you know, and she's yeah. playing around and, you know, it's kind of creepy because just imagine not trying to be nosy or imagine you in the bathroom, but imagine yourself <laughs> in the bathroom, <laughs> you know, taking a shower or taking a, a bath and there's something dark that's there. So, but yeah, like I, I, again, the layering of this one is just great, but I, it just completely went over my head the first time I watched it. But I think I might've been doing other things. Mm. So um, I've been trying to make it a habit throughout the weeks uh throughout the week to at least just you know unplug for a couple yeah. of hours and really because sometimes i always have my phone or you know just other type of uh distractions so it's so but yeah I, I recommend this one awesome thanks uh, thanks uh <laughs> i kind of watched some things i can't talk about yet so i revisited some movies that i really like uh i watched the bar uh which is on netflix it came out in 2017 it is an alex de iglesia movie and i love his really warped sense of humor and this one is super mean uh the plot it's basically about uh your kind of random neighborhood you know neighbors and urbanites that congregate in this cafe 
in downtown bustling Madrid. Um, they're getting their morning coffee or meal or whatever, but there's a sniper. And two mysterious deaths, they freak out and they decide they are not leaving that bar. But then uh, paranoia and suspicion force these terrified uh, Motley crew to basically turn on each other. Um, it's I won't add anything more to that because there's there's definitely some surprises in store, but it's definitely kind of dark satire in in how it's poking fun of of the situation and people and how they react in this type of situation. Uh, it definitely will test your gag reflexes in parts. It's super gross, uh, especially if you're a little bit of a germaphobe. And uh, yeah, it's just super mean. I you have to be on his wavelength like think uh day of the beast type dark sense of humor but I think he pushes it towards mean-spirited so yeah I I like this one I think it's one of those movies where you see it and you can't unsee it because of the places it goes um and it's just lurking on Netflix and then I was uh, every week I come up with recommendations on streaming for people to watch and I was trying to find movies that were inspired by the level of scares that one of John's watches uh, achieves. So uh, I revisited Insidious Chapter 3, which is on Tubi right now. That is Lee Wanell's feature debut. I think it's underrated. I think people really it like is. James Wan's first two. I, I don't know. This is a prequel. It's set before The Haunting of the Lambert Family. So it's set before the first two movies. And it kind of uh, goes into how Psychic Elise uh, agrees to use her ability. Um, in this case, she's contacted by a teen girl who's still, you know, reeling over the loss of her mother and wants to contact her mother. And then Elise is like, stop, because there's a malevolent entity. And she kind of doesn't. And then it opens the doors to to being tormented. Uh, Lee Wanell is really good at scarecrafting. This movie was really creepy. It's got some pretty creepy scare pieces that happen. Um, and I really love that it put Elise front and center as the protagonist, essentially. I mean, she's helping the teens. So you spend a lot of time with the teens. Um, but yeah, it's, it's different. It doesn't go into the further quite as much. Um, but yeah, I, I really like it. I felt like this one deserved more love than it got. I, I mean, the third you. in any series, it, it would have to be so exceptional for people not to just be like, all right, yeah, it's a third one. Yeah, I mean, I get it because it, it's he, maybe you're attached to the Lamberts. You're definitely people are definitely attached to James Wan when he leaves and somebody else comes in. That's that's a big uh, thing that people probably don't like to accept. But Lee Wanell did a really good job, and I like anytime. I I really also love that anytime he's in a movie, it's almost always like comic comedic relief. So, you know, her her sidekick Specs and I can't remember the other one's name. It's like Angus Simpson and Lee Wanell is like the bumbling kind of assistants. They get beefier Tucker. parts. There you go. They, oh, yeah. they get beefier parts in this and they're they're very comical, which is nice because it is pretty unrelenting in, in the scares. But yeah. I like this one as well. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It is it is very much underrated. Yay, horror sister. I've only seen the first one, so I will take your word for it. Wow. I did not, uh, yeah, I did not dig into Insidious very much, um, the whole Insidious universe, or um, what's the other one? 
Patrick Wilson. Are you talking about The Conjuring? The Conjuring universe. Oh. Wait, there's... Wait, The Nun is in The Conjuring, right? It's in The Conjuring universe, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I only saw like two or... I think I've only seen two of The Conjuring movies. Two and a half. I only saw half of the second one. So what's the third one then? What's the what's the two? You've seen Conjuring. I one, saw the half first the one and I one. saw the devil made me do it. Oh, okay. okay. You skipped skipped to that one. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Uh and I watched, I was very excited when Xena announced this. I didn't know it was coming and I was waiting for it to come out. I almost rented it and naturally HBO made it available right. Normally it's right after I've rented it, but 2021's <laughs> The Night House. Bear with me. This is actually a good synopsis on IMDb. So this I is wanted so to do the long. entire thing. It's so <laughs> long, but it's actually a really good synopsis, and IMDb is not known for that. Having buried her husband recently, emotionally scarred, grief-stricken high school teacher Beth returns to the spacious, eerie, vacant lake house he built for her in the heart of a gloomy forest. <laughs> not done. <laughs> but as pained Beth tries to pick up the pieces before long mysterious shadows and blood curdling reflections on the windows start to taunt her and suddenly she finds herself opening boxes rummaging through the deceased's belongings and little by little Beth's intense late night nightmares become increasingly vivid taking a toll on her already fragile sanity now pressing questions demand clear answers will Beth ever unearth the secret of the night house See, whoever wrote that, and that was just like a person who was like on IMDb. They need to write all the synopsis for no, IMDb. No, that's so long. It's long, but it's good, and it doesn't really give anything away. I don't, I, I loved it. Anyone listening probably hated it. I loved it. <laughs> I, I wasn't, I was really excited to watch this because the trailer was really provoking. It, it was not what I thought it would be. I, there's no point in me diving into what I thought it would be because I don't want to do any spoilers for what other people might think it's going to be, uh, like what the night house actually is. And I, I was kind of tempted, to, who's the lead actress in this? Rebecca Hall. Rebecca Hall. I kind of want her to be nominated. Yeah. Like, I really like her performance in this. And I was talking to my wife about this, about, and, and the screenwriter, frankly, this particular portrayal of grief, she's so in your face combative towards everyone who's being awkward around her. Like she's not putting up with it at all. There is no Minnesota nice in this lady. She is, there's no passive aggressive. It's just aggressive. Like she makes awkward jokes. She just goes right at people when they are, when they say something a little bit like off color or whatever. And she's just tired of it she's mad she's frustrated she's full of grief and and it was really i was really fascinated just watching her performance as much as anything else mm -hmm. and and what the movie was was not what i expected at all but by the time i got to the end i really loved it like, if this doesn't end up being a top five movie for me by the end of the year, then this might be the greatest year of horror I have ever lived. Even though this is a last year release? Yeah, well, but I I discovered it this year. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my personal years of Your discovery for horror. Got it. Not like 2022 <laughs> yeah. best. John exactly. best. Yep. 
John Best. I mean, but right now I've already got X and that. Like, if either of those gets knocked off, this is just the best year of for horror for me <laughs> that I had to, like, knock one of those out. But I thought it was great. It, it was because you really have no idea what is going on until, like, the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if anyone figured it out beforehand. I don't know how they possibly could have. But then, like, what it actually is is so good. So yeah, high recommend for the Nighthouse. If you haven't seen it, if you have HBO uh, or HBO Max, if you just want to do a rental, I'm sure rentals probably aren't too bad. They're probably around like seven, eight, nine bucks, I would think now or less. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. It was not what I expected, and I was very happy with what it turned out to be. I think more of this for me. Yeah. And then I took a pretty hard right turn as far as what's going on and this is actually thanks to another super fan stefan for showing me uh, a list of the top 10 found footage movies you could find on tubi yes yeah and one in particular (laughs) jumped out at me so i had to give it a shot and that was 2021's deadware in 1999 two friends use a webcam for the first time and stumble across a mysterious browser game that may be haunted so much shorter IMDb description. Yeah. This, <laughs> this one really got me because I grew up playing games like the 11th Hour and the Seventh Guest and Under the Killing Moon that were these uh, like kind of live action interactive type browser games where it's like point and click and all of a sudden you go into a room or you walk down a hall. Like it's very rudimentary graphics, but very scary. Like it was terrifying to play those games at night not knowing what was going on or trying to solve these clues and stuff like that so the trailer really captivated me and and it's it's it, it's not phone footage it's it's pov like screen life uh, exactly it's just think um uh uh not what was what was the one where it's just over skype there's one that um, there's a few of those no, well, I suppose host. It's like host, I mm-hmm. suppose. Well, this reminded me of like other... Colin's story, the Collinwood story. Oh, sure. Yeah, kind of. It's a little bit. Have you seen it? No, just like the screen grabs uh, and the synopsis that I've oh, seen. Oh, sure. Yeah, this one is good because um, Unfriended. Oh, like yeah, unfriended. Yeah, okay. Where, except, let's face it, if you were alive in 1999 and any concept of what te- computer technology was, no one was using a webcam with the kind of clarity that these two webcams have. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, let's do suspension of disbelief big time just on that facet. I love the idea of this haunted video game, especially in that style that's so nostalgic for me. The only thing that bummed me out is the movie's only like 68 minutes long. That's... So there was, there's not a ton of game in it. Oh, I'm like, that sounds I short would've... and sweet. It, it does. And it was, and, and honestly, maybe it was for the best. I would have liked a little bit more game involved in, in the unraveling because again, that's purely for my nostalgia's sake. I feel like they could have got, like built some more tension, more scares off of what they were doing because they did some pretty cool stuff intercutting the game with some like recorded footage and things like that. I, I was happy. I haven't seen, honestly, it's been a while since I've seen a phone footage movie that I really enjoyed minus, mm-hmm. um, I like last radio call, but I mean, between those two, I feel like it's been months 
since I've been able to find one where you just, there is kind of, you find out there is a, a largely unlikable character, but he's not unlikable from the get go. And that's fine. If you discover someone's unlikable at the end, okay, I'm already invested at that point. They can be unlikable. But yeah, I, I was, I was happy. It was short, sweet, nostalgic. It was acted well enough. I mean, it seemed like it was fairly low budget and I think they did a lot with honestly not a lot mm-hmm. without being reductive, without being like they didn't do very much in this, but good job team. <laughs> like I I think I think they nailed what they set out to do. I would have just liked a little bit more of it for me, for my own um uh greediness. Fair. And the cast uh for this one is really short right there's probably like what two or three people uh yeah i i think you could probably you could argue two okay probably like so i mean they they did it really simple like this could have easily been a covid film well i suppose it technically it is a covid film so Hmm. this could have been a very much an isolation film that they did like oh we can't even be in the same place what could we do i thought it was a cool idea awesome oh i'm gonna check it out yeah so uh before we move on what are we watching how do we watch it so I checked out the island, aka Slow Burn, on or Born on Screenbox and Our House on Amazon. I watched The Bar on Netflix and Insidious Chapter Three on Tubi. And I watched The Night House on HBO Max and Deadware on Tubi. All right, enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Weird, weird stuff. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Casper is headed back to the screen. Uh, The Friendly Ghost is getting a live-action series for Peacock that's said to put a darker spin on the family-friendly tale. That's why it's... It already is dark. It's a dead kid. (laughs) Yeah, but he's so cute and sweet. You know, it's like, let's put a Riverdale... Uh, we'll get to that. So Kai Yu, okay. uh, the, the Ghost Bride director, is writing and executive producing the new take. Deadline broke this news saying, Casper the Friendly Ghost is coming back to television in a brand new incarnation reminiscent of Riverdale's darker interpretation of the D- Archie comics. See, that's where it gets weird. Because how are you going to Riverdale Casper? <laughs> Casper, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're go- I'll, I'll have to I see, see it. it. Uh, I see them doing it. But, like, Casper's going to be, like, a jingle-jangle drug dealer. Yeah. I don't... (laughs) Like, what is going to happen? So, Peacock is developing Casper. It's live action. It's a horror adventure series. Uh, It's going to reimagine Casper's origin in a coming-of-age story that explores what it means to be alive with drugs. No, there's... don't take my word on that. Um, he's going to have like a cool haircut for some reason. Because uh, yeah, like they all little... do. <laughs> well, see, this is the perfect way to explain why the character never ages across the series, despite the fact that he's gone from like 18 to 35. What are you talking about? He's a ghost. Since when do ghosts I know, age? the Riverdale gang. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So, oh, I'm sorry. This is one of those situations where I was having a conversation in my head and decided to let you join halfway through it. I want to be there from the Not, start, Unfortunately, John. my wife knows exactly how you feel right now. And where did he live? Uh, 
from Friendship, Maine or Massachusetts. I, I just hope that they kind of still keep that and, and not, you know, darken it. And, well, River, I like Riverdale. It, it gets a little weird, though, sometimes. <laughs> a little? Uh, a little. It goes a lot weird. <laughs> uh, the Peacock series logline is when a f- new family arrives in the small town of Eternal Falls, Casper finds himself entangled in a mystery and covering dark secrets that have been buried for a hundred years. What? Well, I don't know. I'm still going to watch it. I mean, I'm going to watch <laughs> it, but I'm so confused as to how, like, I just, I'm so used to Casper, the, the 1995 movie. Can I keep yeah. you? Like that movie was a kid's, was so like beautiful. a family. Oh, it was God. so sweet. It's, it's a family movie. So it just, it's crazy to me that they're comparing it to Riverdale, which is <laughs> so bonkers. What are you doing to poor Casper? Um, so we'll we'll find out and if that's not weird enough for you the news gets weirder uh believe it or not halloween destination spirit halloween store is being turned into a movie and christopher lloyd and rachel lee cook are set to star when a spirit when a new spirit halloween store appears in a deserted strip mall as they do Three yeah. middle school friends who think they've outgrown trick-or-treating make a dare to spend the night locked inside the store Halloween night. But they soon find out that the store is haunted by an angry evil spirit who has possessed the creepy animatronic characters. David Pogue directed Spirit Halloween. It's already shot. It's expected to release this October. Uh, the film comes from Strike Back Studios, Hideout Pictures, and Particular Crowd. One of the reasons I immediately connected with the script is it is very much inspired by some of my favorite kid adventure films growing up. The Goonies, Gremlins, Monster mm-hmm. Squad, and so many other Amblin Entertainment, uh, so many other films made by Amblin Entertainment, said Noor Ahmed, president of Strike Back. So it does sound very cute, but yeah. uh, I did not have Spirit Halloween Store gets a movie on my bingo card for this week. And I never You're... thought to try to spend the night in one. I mean, I know I'm an adult, but I don't know. That seems kind of cool. This just sounds like the childhood dream of so many kids, and frankly, adults. It's Night yeah. at the Museum, the Halloween version, which, you know, exactly. I'm going to watch this, too. Well, I think it sounds fun. So, yeah, I do like the, the Monster Squad comparison. And then in not uh, weird news, this is more normal news, relatively speaking, for <sighs> horror. Uh, Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead just turned nine last week, uh, which nine is not particularly like a standout anniversary number, but it is because the filmmaker can always be counted on to bring out some new information per- on like the, the movie's release. So he celebrated uh, for its ninth anniversary by revealing never before seen Polaroids. Uh, that he took during the filming, uh, script details, and previously unseen footage. He shared look at uh, the Evil Dead alternate ending. At first, he'd reveal, you know, like, uh, here's a picture of the script itself so you can read it, and then there was footage. So the alternate ending that he revealed had uh, the ending with Jane... This ending was Jane Levy's Mia being taken out by the evil force out in the woods. Like... Uh, kind of a, an homage to the Evil Dead, like the original ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but she that's not how it is in the actual final cut of the movie. So he was toying with that. And uh, that footage is actually, you can go check it out on Bloody Disgusting or on his Twitter. But he was um, going to, you know, make the her fate originally unclear. And he shot that. And uh, this is what was originally, he said on Twitter... 
This is what was written originally, but Sam Raimi wisely pointed out after everything she's been through, she deserves to live. So I rewrote it to the actual ending. Um, And he added that Jane Levy let out one of her best screams in the movie on this take. So he also revealed another alternate script piece that actually would have definitively showed what would have happened, um, an alternate ending where he killed her off. That particular version of events, not only would the evil force out in the woods catch up with Mia, but it would quite literally tear her apart, exploding her into a bomb of blood, and then all that would be left would be the Necronomicon. So, you know, if you're interested in all of these little tidbits that he revealed, you can check it out on Bloody Disgusting or on his uh, Twitter account. But yeah, so I thought that was cool because I do love this movie. I just can't believe it's been nine years. <laughs> yeah. Nine years since Evil Dead came out? Yeah. What? Can you believe it? I don't. I don't. But but there's more Evil Dead coming, and that's all that matters. Yes. All right, listeners, your turn. Did Megan have you at Casper Meets Riverdale? No. Wish you could get locked. <laughs> Wish you could get locked in a spirit Halloween overnight. Let's hear about it. You can call or text us at 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes, or feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Zena's going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options and clue us in on what's appearing soon that we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? Bloody Disgusting TV or Screenbox. Of course. Um, But Tuesday, the 12th, we have the psychological thriller creature feature reads point hitting the OD. Um, I I would rather not read the synopsis because it is filled with spoilers. I just recommend just watching it. Okay. It actually seems like a really cool indie movie to check out. Then on Thursday, the 14th, X will be available on VOD. Yay. It's also still in theaters if you are interested in seeing it on the big screen. But there's no pressure because now you can watch it at home. Yeah. Then we also have Wormwood Apocalypse. That one will be available on VOD. And a zombie-infested Australian wasteland soldier Rise has dedicated his life to tracking and capturing survivors for the Surgeon General in hopes of finding a cure. So this is a sequel to the 2014 action horror zombie, which is action zombie horror movie, which is so awesome. So if you really love fast-paced zombie action type of movies, um, you might enjoy this one. Then on Friday the 15th, we have The Cellar. It'll be hitting theaters and on Shutter. So this one is based on director Brendan Maldowney's 2004's short 10-minute film um, called The Ten Steps, which is currently available on YouTube. Hmm. You should check it out. It's really cool. So Kara Wood's daughter mysteriously vanishes in the cellar of their new house. She soon discovers there's an ancient and powerful entity controlling their home that she will have to face or risk losing their risk losing her family souls forever. So this one also stars Alicia Cuthbert. Um, we haven't seen her in a horror in like, what was it, 15 years? Isn't yeah, that crazy? Well, welcome back. House of Wax. Welcome back, girl. Okay, so then we also have Choose or Die. This one will be available on Netflix. After fi- firing up a Lost 80 survival horror game, a young coder unleashes a hidden curse that tears reality apart, forcing her to make terrifying decisions and face deadly consequences. You'll be happy to know that horror legend Robert England is in this one. So, just in case if you're like, I want to see Robert, now you can. <laughs> I do want to see Robert. <laughs> Then, you know what, I thought I'd, you know, add a little razzle-dazzle to our lives, and I'll let you guys know what's coming out on Tuesday, the 19th. 
So yes. we have the exorcism of a God. That one will be hitting Devo, Devo D. Devo. <laughs> <laughs> That's a brand new streaming, streaming service for everybody out there. That is the Zena Media platform. Devo uh, D. I would watch it. But no, you do too. have to pay your father's chain to subscribe. <laughs> But uh, an American priest working in Mexico is possessed during an exorcism and ends up committing a terrible act. 18 years later, the consequences of his sin come back to haunt him. Again, this will be will be available on DVD. Um, then we also have the dark and gritty Bloody Oranges, VOD, hitting VOD. So an elderly couple enters a dance competition to earn extra money for bills, but their seemingly innocent plan quickly goes off the rails. I haven't watched this one yet, but I've been hearing some stuff about this one, how it just takes an extremely dark turn. So I cannot wait to check it out. Then also, uh, you'll be happy to know, VHS 94 will also be hitting DVD. And we all really love yeah. this one. So, yeah. yeah. All right. And then Bleed With Me will also be on DVD. This one's also on Shutter During winter break, uh, a getaway in, isolated, in an isolated cabin, a self-destructive young woman becomes convinced that her best friend is stealing her blood. Doom, doom, doom. Mm. And then last, we have Pacific Rim, uh, the Black Season 2, the anime. Um, it is available on Netflix. So just in case, if you're curious and you checked out Season 1, I'm not too sure if any of you guys have, um, you can check out Season 2. Wonderful. And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd, lead, if you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMag. Xena can be found on her own website, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BDisgustingPod. Or email us at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. And for even more content and rewards that we're recording next, check us out on Patreon.com slash BeDisgustingPod. And we're taking a week off for the holidays next week and other things. So we'll see you all in two weeks. Happy holidays. Happy so, holidays. For this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Bloody.